0: Well, what is up, city fam? We are glad you guys are joining us today online. And, and today, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, especially my mom and my wife. My mom, Beth, man, she's been an amazing mother to me. And especially it, you know later in my life as I've gotten into ministry and trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, she's been just such a rock to me spiritually. So happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. And to my wife, Jennifer, I could not have asked for a better mother for my kids. Uh, she's simply amazing. And yes, my mother raised me, but I've been with Jennifer for like 26 of my almost, or I guess, 40 plus years now. And so she's basically helped raise me as well, and still raising me, if you were to ask her, I'm sure. But you know what, what better time to, to honor women and strong mothers and strong godly women in our church in our community. You know we've seen these last couple of years of, of our church, the city church, God do some amazing things through women in our church. What would we do without them? We're we're, call, we're starting a new series today uh, called Your Biggest Fan, and in this series we're going to talk about and highlight uh, four women in our church that have stepped up and answered God's call on their lives, and He's used them in incredible ways in the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, I want to start today as we start this series in Ephesians chapter 4. This is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Now, these are the guys that get all the glory, right? They're they're on the stage, they're in the limelight. They're the ones that are, you know, you might see on TV or clips on Instagram. They're quoted over and over, but but listen, we we are here for a specific purpose. In verse 12 you can read, "Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ." So we are here to build you up, to equip you to do the work of the ministry, men and women alike. You guys are the real heroes. You guys are the ones on the front lines, the boots on the ground. And we want to use this series to highlight you. You are the real heroes. We are your biggest fans, and we hope this series encourages you to to know as you hear the stories of these incredible women in our church and the stories of women throughout church history, we hope that this series is an encouragement to you to know that God can use you. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your financial status is, how long you've been a Christian, how smart you are. It doesn't matter your gender, male or female. God can and will use you for his purposes in his kingdom to do amazing Things for him. So, as we get started, you know, not only in our church, but throughout scripture, you can see it over and over and over again. God chooses at pivotal moments in history to call and use and elevate women to do amazing things for the kingdom. The writers of the gospels documented Jesus over and over again, investing in women, his interactions with them. Uh, the woman at the well, the woman with the issue of blood, Mary and Martha, and on and on and on. Then you look at Paul, the champion of the, the New Testament church, says this in Galatians 3. He says, there is no male and female, right? He's constantly elevating and mentioning women and their roles in the early church. We're going to talk about some of that in this series. Then Ephesians 5, he says this, husbands and wives should submit to each other. And then finally in Matthew, you have the genealogy of Jesus written out, right? The, the, The genealogy of Jesus, which normally would only contain the names of men. There are five different women listed in his lineage. That's no accident. And so in this series, we're going to highlight some of these and celebrate women in our church and throughout church history who God is, is using to do amazing things. And the first one we're going to talk about is Ruth. Ruth. Now, in the Old Testament, between the book of Judges and 1 Samuel, there's a little book, just four chapters, about Ruth. And it's named after her. Now, just to kind of catch you up where we are in history here, uh, there, there was a great famine in Israel during this time. And people kind of had to scatter. They, they relocated to find food. And there was a man from Bethlehem who had a, a wife named Naomi. And they had two sons. They had to flee to Moab to find food. They end up staying there. Well, the the father dies. And now Naomi is left with her two sons, who eventually marry some women from Moab, some Moabite, Moabite women. And their names are Orpah and Ruth. Now. Orpah looks a lot like Oprah, and I'm probably lucky I didn't say Oprah, but it's not Oprah. It's Orpah and Ruth. They, they marry uh, Naomi's sons. Well, eventually the sons also pass away. So Naomi is left with her two uh, foreign daughters-in-law, Orpa and Ruth. Eventually, Naomi hears that the Lord is helping the, the people of Israel back home. It's time to move back home, right, to go back to Bethlehem. And so she tells her daughter's in law to stay in Moab and go back to their families. And eventually Orpah does go back to to her mother's home. But Ruth refuses. She refuses to leave Naomi. And we read in Ruth chapter one, verse 16, we read this. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So, Ruth. Even though she's a foreigner in this land, she's a Moabite. Even though her husband is dead, she has no connection with Naomi. She refuses to leave Naomi. She sticks with her. They they return to Bethlehem. Ruth decides she's going to provide for them, and she goes into this barley field, and she decides to go behind the the harvesters in this barley field and gather up the leftover grains. And this is a, a field that belongs to a rich guy named Boaz. Now, when Boaz hears what Ruth is doing, she's going behind, gathering up grain to support Naomi. He goes to her and he tells her that she's welcome to gather grain in his field and she can have water from his water jars anytime she needs it. And this is Ruth's response in chapter 2, verse 10. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. So Boaz is blown away, right? And Ruth is. She, she's earned his trust, his respect. They, they end up getting married. Now, let's pause for a second. Ruth, if you look at her life, she wasn't, she didn't seem to be you know, destined for anything great. Kind of The odds were stacked against her. She, she wasn't an Israelite. She wasn't part of God's chosen people. She was a Moabite. Now, the people in Moab, they were pagans. They worship a lot of false gods. They even uh, occasionally offered human sacrifices to these false gods, right? She didn't come from a great place. Uh, She lost her husband at an early age. She was in the middle of a famine, extreme poverty. She didn't seem to be destined for great things. So how could God use her? But he did. He did. Why? Because she, she was loyal. She was a woman of integrity. She was a hard worker. She refused to leave Naomi. And not only did he save her and Naomi, but he changed her family tree. This is where the story gets cool. Get this. Boaz and Ruth, they have a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David. Yes, yes, that David, the David that killed Goliath, King David, Ruth from Moab, ends up being David's great-grandmother, which by the way, puts her in the direct lineage of Jesus himself. She is listed as one of the five women in Jesus' genealogy. She is his great, great, great times 29 grandmother. How amazing is that? God used her. And I'm telling you right now, if God can use Ruth, he can use me and he can use You. I want to introduce you to Kayla. Uh, Kayla's been with us for a while now. She's uh, an incredible single mom here in our church, and I want her to share her story with you just about God's faithfulness and what it means to be obedient to what He's leading you to do even when it's difficult. So check this out.
1: Um, About 13 years ago, or 14 years ago I moved to Lubbock and I um, attended a church and I remember the pastor asked asking if we died if we knew where we were going to spend eternity and growing up I went to church but I never really had a relationship with with Jesus I didn't know what that was like and so I sat there and um, at that church service I decided to commit my life to to Christ a couple of years later um, I got married and um, tried to have kids couldn't have kids um, so then my relationship with God started to change a little bit you know started questioning some things and um, a couple years later, uh, we were attending the same church and they had talked about what God says our role is as far as, you know, adoption. And so I had felt a little tugging at my heart, you know, that this was maybe something that God had wanted me to do. And my entire relationship with God up until this point had been trying to be obedient, like checking the boxes. You know, I wanted to check the boxes. God said to do it. I was going to do it. They came and did our home study and they told us it's going to be a long time like it's going to be a long time you're asking for a baby so it's going to take a long time well two weeks later I was at work and I had checked my email and I saw an email that said emergency placement and I was like hmm I checked the email and uh, there was information about a little girl who needed a home needed to be placed in a home and so I step out um Called my husband at the time and said, "What's going on?" And he said, "They have a child. It's not exactly what we wanted. You know, she's a little bit older. What do you think? Should we say yes?" And so I said, "Okay, like this is what God wants us to do. We're going to do it." And so we said yes. We waited about nine months, uh, and we were able to adopt her. You know, we were on cloud nine. You know, we had our daughter. We were we were good. problem that lasted for about two years and then I felt um, God tugging at my heart again I remember being at prayer a prayer gathering and the pastor I think it was you had said what's something that you know that can only happen if God is going to help you like it has to be so big that you know it has to come from God and I remember thinking, oh, I don't want to pray for another child. Like, I, I definitely don't want to pray for another child, but I, I knew that's what God was asking me. And so I remember I wrote down, I think it was February 25th, I wrote down the date, and it was a God ask. And my God ask was, God, do it again. We got um, a phone call almost a year to the date, was February 22nd, that said we have a, a little boy that needs an emergency placement. But she's just going to be there for two weeks Two weeks, that's it And so the two weeks turned into four weeks And the four weeks turned into Well, do you want to possibly just be his foster home? You can be his foster home He still can't be adopted Do you want to be his foster home? God's already told us what to do He's already told us what to do All I needed to do was open up my Bible He already gave me the answer It wasn't love Jeremiah until they let you adopt him You know love him for this long, you know, God says you care f- for the orphans, you know, you care for the orphans, and so I said, okay, God, my answer is yes, so said yes, and he stayed, well, then a couple of weeks later, they called, and they said, would you be willing to adopt him, so here we were again, and, you know, yes, of course, you know, so at this point, at this point, like, I was feeling great, you know, I had done what God had asked me to do, I had my two kids. I felt like my marriage was great. And then about a year later, after we adopted our son, my husband at the time came home and out of the blue told me he wanted a divorce. And here we go. Like, I thought, I remember thinking, this can't be happening. Like, I've done everything. I've done everything that you've asked me to do, God. Everything. How can this happen to me? I was for sure, because I had done everything that God had asked me to do, I was for sure that God was going to restore my marriage. I thought, He didn't give me these two children the way He did, you know, He didn't, He didn't do that for my marriage to end in divorce, It, it didn't make any sense, you know, but it took me a long time and I still struggle, you know, it's been over two years and it I still struggle that he he didn't restore my marriage, but there's been so many things in that time that he has done. So I found the city church a couple of years ago. Um, During that tough time, I was searching, you know, like I was searching for a place to call home. I didn't feel Connected anywhere at the time. I remember walking in and hearing the message and thinking, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I felt that longing for community. You know, I was there and I thought, okay, I've got to do more. I can't just come and attend. I'm going to have to do more. And so, um, one thing that God showed me was my heart for prayer i've learned how to pray and so uh, they would ask about you know volunteering and giving back and i thought okay that's where i can get plugged in i remember sitting there thinking like man this has come full circle because some during some of the toughest time of my life i would make sure on sunday i was asking for prayer from someone someone would pray for me and they would say the prayer teams were up here And I would be there because I knew the power of prayer And so I remember sitting there thinking Wow, like I get to do this now You know, like this is something that I get to do I get to uh, pray for people And it, it was great, you know It was exactly, I knew it was exactly where I was supposed to be It was exactly where I was supposed to get plugged in um, And so that's what I did um, I remember getting a steady income And I remember thinking, okay Now I have to do what I'm supposed to do with this money and um, I remember sitting in church and I had known I was trying to hold on to that money you know I was trying to hold on to that money and I remember um, them talking about uh, you know giving back to God and I thought he's taking care of me and my kids this entire time you know and so I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna give what I'm supposed to give you know I'm gonna give what I'm supposed to give and I signed up that day to start tithing and um I think a couple of days later, I knew, I knew at work I was supposed to have gotten a bonus. It was supposed to be small, a small bonus. And um, I checked my account the day that I'd signed up to give, and I was like, oh, I don't have a lot of money. Like, I don't have a lot of money, but okay, God, you're asking me to give, so I'm going to give. And a couple of days later, um, they told us, you know, check check your accounts. You know, your, your bonus should be in there. My bonus was probably four times as much as it was supposed to be. Um, It was more than I needed. It was more than I needed. And I remember God saying, I'm I'm gonna take care of you. I'd led a small group for probably about six years at my previous church. And I remember going to church and I had invited a friend and she was sitting next to me and they weren't even talking about groups. And she leaned over and she said, hey, and I was like, yeah. She said, I think you should start a small group. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely pray about it. You know, I'll pray about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to pray about it because I don't, I don't want to do that. Well, then um, I think this was probably a couple of days later. I got a text message. I was at work, and I got a text message that said, hey, Kayla, we're needing some people to lead some small groups. You want to lead a small group? And I was like, man, God, there you are again. It was one of those things where I knew what God was asking me to do. But I, I just wasn't sure that what do I have to offer? You know, like, what do I have to offer? Here I am, a single mom, divorced. You know, what do I possibly have to offer anybody else? And, you know, God was like, this is what you're supposed to do. Like you, I gave you a story, you know, like share your
0: story. Wow. What an amazing story. Thank you, Kayla, for sharing your story with us. And thank you for everything you've done for, for our church, for the people in your life, for those two beautiful kids of yours. You know, l- listening to her story, I can't help but think of another woman in Scripture that God used to do amazing things. And that's Mary. Mary. The mother of Jesus. She didn't seem to be anything special. She didn't seem to be destined for greatness, right? She didn't stand out, but God chose her for an important mission. And the costs were high. It was going to be very difficult. It was going to just upend her whole life. She was going to probably lose friends. She lost her reputation. She was this young girl, unmarried, who's going to end up pregnant. She was willing, she was available, and she. She tells God, let it be with me as you have said. Here I am, use me. I'm here, I'm willing, I'm available. Are you willing to be used by God? Are you willing to make yourself available to him for whatever he's asking you to do? In fact, that's our our big idea today I want to leave you with. It's this, if you want to be used by God, be available. Be available. Say, yes, God, here I am. Use me, whatever it is. Here I am. I'm available to you. And you might have the, the same kind of reaction that, that you heard Kayla talk about. Like, Man, who, who am I that God will want to use me? But listen, you would be amazed at what God can do with a willing vessel, somebody that's just willing to be used. There's no limits to what he can do in and through you. But you have to be available. We're about to sing. We're going to teach you guys a new song. It's, it's called Available. And it kind of goes really well with this series. And the, the lyrics right off the bat, I want to share these with you. The lyrics to the very first of the song is, narrow as the road may seem, I'll follow where your spirit leads. Broken as my life may be, I will give you every piece. I hear your call. And I say, yes, Lord, I am available. So as we sing, I want to encourage you. Make that your hearts cry. Make that your prayer to God. God, here I am. Use my broken pieces. I'm here. I'm willing. I'm available. I want to be used by you. Would you pray with me? God, that's our prayer. We don't want to go through life just coasting. <laughs> We want to be called to something. We want to be used. And so maybe if it wasn't before, God, right now, in this moment, our heart's posture before you is just openness and availability and, and God, asking you, use us. Use us. We may not have the right background. We may not have the right history. We may not know enough scripture. But, God, we're your children. We're your followers. And we say we want to be used by you. Use us like you did, Ruth, like you're using Kayla, We don't want to sit on the sidelines. We want to be used by you. We love you so much. Thank you for choosing to use ordinary people like me and like us. We love you so much in your name. Amen.